I might not have a crystal ball, but I'm going to try my best on today's episode of Locked on Flames. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked on Flames. I want to thank everybody for making Locked on Flames your first listen of every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. I'm holding it down today. Nick Sararis here to talk a little bit about the unknown because we are still in the late stages here of the preseason. There's a couple more games varying what team we're talking about, how many games they have left, what they're trying to accomplish, who's going to get spots on teams, that kind of thing. So naturally, I'm going to put my uh, forecasting hat on here, this, uh, this Dale Earnhardt hat. I'm going to put my forecasting hat on here and try and come up with a prediction for every single player on the team and the coach as well. I've got one prediction for every single one of these guys. It's very straightforward today, broken down into forwards, defense, coaching, and goaltending. Each prediction will be associated with a player. In the case of Ryan Huska, we will do one specifically for Ryan Huska. Let's get on into it. There's no point in dilly-dallying. There's a lot of ground to cover when you got to do something about every single player. I am inclined to go on tangents, unfortunately, just because that's the way my brain works. But let's get rolling. Number one, the first player we have predictions for, like I said, they're broken up into forward, defense, coaching, goaltending. So forward, first prediction, Jonathan Huberto, significantly more comfortable in year number two as a Calgary Flame, leads the team in points somewhere, I want to say 79, 80 points, close to a point per game, not what he was two years ago in Florida but a lot more comfortable, better environment, hits the ground a little bit faster than he did last year. Strong start, leads the team in points. Number two, Elias Lindholm. Lindholm agrees to an extension, a long-term extension with the Flames that nobody feels particularly good about. It's going to be for a little bit more money than he's worth for term, probably a little bit longer than anybody's comfortable with, but the Flames don't want to take a step back, so they are going to spend this money. They are going to keep a good, not great player. Everybody's going to feel weird about it. But a few years from now, when the salary cap is significantly higher, we won't feel as bad. But in the moment, there's going to be some sticker price shock on what Elias Lindholm's going to cost to stay as a Calgary Flame. Number three, Andrew Mangiapane gets a little more shooting luck. This is somebody who lowest shooting percentage of his career in a full season last year in the single digit. Somebody who shot at 18% the year before. And that team two years ago was significantly better than the one last year, but he's not that unlucky. Andrew Mangiapane, more shooting luck. He will finish with exactly 25 goals this upcoming season. Number four, Igor Sharingovich, acquired from the New Jersey Devils for Tyler Toffoli. He will set a career high in points because he is going to play the most minutes of any season in his NHL career. Increased usage. He's going to sneak onto the power play at times during different points of the season. He will put up decent counting stats. And the shock of the trade probably won't wear off, but it won't look as egregious with the passage of time because Sharon Govich is going to put up pretty good counting stats as a flame this year. Number six, Matthew Coronado will finish with 
21 goals, exactly the same amount Jerome McGinley finished with as a rookie, his rookie season. I think Coronado's release is arguably the best on the team already, and that's without a lot of NHL polish. I can see a world where Coronado becomes the team's volume shooter, especially without Tyler Toffoli, who was their one volume shooter last season. Next up, and some of these guys probably won't be on the roster, but this is going off of what Daily Faceoff has right now. Like I have one here for Kevin Rooney, who the Flames announced today, like right before I started recording this, that he's not going to be able to start the season on time and he's going to be out quite a little while. But Adam Rzichka will become a regular on the Flames penalty kill for this season and the foreseeable future. He will go from about 10, 11 minutes a game up to 13 or 14 minutes a game as he carves out a spot for himself on the penalty kill. Next, Nazem Kadri will finish with exactly 29 power play points. He finished with 19. He had eight goals and 11 assists last year. He will finish with 29 power play points. He will His counting stats will look significantly better because he will put up more stats on the power play. The Flames power play last year really struggled for extended periods of time. They didn't really have any shooters. They really opted for volume, looking for deflections and rebounds. And it's hard to score consistently that way because it requires so much effort and so much energy. And power play is supposed to be when you're taking, you're not taking it easy on the power play, but that's when you're supposed to kind of be imposing your will on the other team. And it's hard to do that when the bulk of your offense is point shots that aren't particularly dangerous because they're from so far away. Next up, Dylan Dubé will take a small step back and record exactly. 12 goals after recording in the high teens the last couple of years. I think Dubé's a good player. I just don't think he will get as fortuitous of puck luck because he's not that great of a shooter. His offense comes from being around the net mouth, which is a little bit more high variance. And the the results will change a little more for a guy who's that reliant on that type of offense. Next, Blake Coleman will carve out a spot for himself on the second power play unit and get himself over the 20 goal mark for the first time since he was a New Jersey Devil. Blake Coleman's a really solid player. He's got a similar toolbox to Mangiapane, to Dubé. That type of player to Mikhail Backlund, that type of player, Mikhail, Michael Backlund. I don't know why I said it that way. That was weird. Blake Coleman will finish with exactly 20 goals after getting a little bit more shooting luck and getting a role for himself on the team's power play. Next up. Speaking of Michael Backlund, he will finish as a top three vote getter for the Selkie Trophy for the league's best defensive forward without Patrice Bergeron to stifle the party. Other players will have a chance to win that award. Nico Heischer will be in the conversation. conversation. Mitch Marner will likely be in the conversation. Michael Backlund should be in that conversation. He finished fifth last year. I can see a world where he gets up into that upper echelon where he gets invited to the NHL awards as one of the three finalists. The Kevin Rooney one seems like a safe bet, especially because he's not going to start the season with the team. Kevin Rooney will play less than 15 games as an NHLer this year. The Flames signed him last year after he had been with the Rangers the two years prior, where he played a lot for the Rangers as a fourth line center. Then as those Rangers kind of made their leap as a competitive team, they realized Kevin Rooney wasn't really what they needed from that fourth line center spot. And they opted for different guys, whether it be Barkley Goodrow or Ryan Carpenter, the flames, similar boat. Uh, Kevin Rooney really was only going to get a look because Jacob Peltier got hurt. 
Now with Kevin Rooney out for a while and Peltier out for a while, who we're going to get to in a second, Kevin Rooney won't play more than 15 NHL games. Walker Dewar will use Jacob Peltier's absence from the Flames to carve out a full-time NHL role for himself. He will be somebody that eventually graduates into a role that Dubé, Mangiapane, Blake Coleman, he will graduate into that type of low event, bottom six player who's going to be good at driving possession. He's got to get there first, though. This is somebody with not a ton of NHL experience. So let's get there, and then we can talk about what he can be going forward. But he uses the absence of Peltier to carve out a spot for himself. Lastly, Peltier, he will finish with 10 goals exactly. I think he's going to be out an extended period of time. We're talking December, maybe even January before he returns. It'll take a little while for him to get up to game speed. And from there, the Flames will figure out what to do with him. But I I think I said before the season, if they got anything more than 10 goals from him, that would be great. If they get 10 goals from him in a limited bottom six role, you feel pretty good about that if you're the Flames. That, That would be a successful full rookie season in an environment where he, we can talk about growth as opposed to the coach not remembering what number he is. But before we move on and talk about the Flames and their defense and their goaltending, we have got, got to talk about our friends over at Indeed. Don't you wish you could draft your real-life team like your fantasy football team? If you're building a roster to win at all, you need to use our friends at Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools and get instant match assessments and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed, you, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches the job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is everything's all in one place. You can take the assessments, you can interview, and you can find jobs. Indeed knows when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your job requirements. Visit indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash locked on, indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Want to thank everybody for hanging out today on today's episode of Locked on Flames. While I hold it down, we'll just take care of real life responsibilities. Moving along, using our fictional imaginary, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm pretending I'm looking into a crystal ball right now. We're going to continue in regards to the Calgary Flames defense. Next up, we have Rasmus Anderson. I think Rasmus Anderson will be the Calgary Flames representative at the NHL All-Star Game. Anderson had a good argument for that last season. Kadri ended up going on their behalf. Anderson really kind of struggled down the backstretch of last season because of that injury he suffered in that scooter accident in Detroit. He admitted himself he rushed back before he was ready to play because he felt like he was letting the team down by not being available. I think Anderson really bounces back and solidifies himself into that upper echelon of NHL defensemen. I don't know if he'll ever put up the counting stats of a Dougie Hamilton, a Charlie McAvoy, Adam Fox, Kale McCarr, uh, uh, Miko Rantanen, Miko Rantanen, Miro Heiskanen, 
or Quinn Hughes to get Norris consideration. But this is a really good hockey player in Rasmus Anderson. I think there's a real chance he cements himself in that upper tier and really kind of cements himself as one of the Flames, if not the Flames' best overall player this season and really builds that out going into the team's not-so-distant future. Next up, this one is a bit out there. This might be my most aggressive prediction out of all of them. I think Mackenzie Weger in his second full season in Calgary will finish top 10 in Norris voting for the first time. He got, I want to say he finished 12th or 13th in Florida two years ago in the Norris voting. Mackenzie Weger is one of, if not the best defensive defenseman in the entire NHL. People like me who watch the games, who pour over the data, they see just how good he is at suppressing chances against that teams cannot get by him in the neutral zone. And when they do manage to get to the offensive zone, he's not giving up quality chances against because his positioning is so outstanding. This is one of the best players at his position, at his role in the entire league. Mackenzie Weger is a treat to watch. He's never going to put up the counting stats, unfortunately. And it's a shame because somebody like Mackenzie Weger is an essential component to any successful team. If you are going to be a really good NHL team, you need defensive defensemen. And lest we forget, hitting and blocking shots is not defense. You do those things because you cannot make a defensive play of a higher caliber. The best defensemen are the ones who the other team does not generate offense against. They are the ones that as soon as there's pressure on them to make a play, they have superior positioning. They're able to use their stick and they're able to transition quickly to offense. When you're blocking shots, when you're throwing body checks, you are leaving your position to make those things happen. You are taking yourself out of the play. Those are high leverage. Those are risky plays. But somebody like Uyghur is so good with their skating, with their positioning, they're where they need to be. They don't need to block shots. They don't need to throw body checks. They are able to dispossess the other team of the puck and quickly transition back to offense. That is the upper echelon. That is what an elite defenseman does in today's NHL. They are turning the other team over, getting the puck, and transitioning to offense as quick as humanly possible. Next up, number three. Noah Hannafin will be a Calgary, a Calgary Flame until the trade deadline, and he will get swapped in a player-for-player player deal meaning the Flames will keep Hannafin through the season. They will try and work out an extension. He will end up on another team in the United States, and the Flames will get a roster player back. They will get a player who will step into their lineup right away. He will not get traded for futures. He will not get traded for a prospect. I would like to say I could see a world where Noah Hannafin stays, but this is a guy who's been pretty adamant about wanting to get back to the United States to play in the States somebody who's from the Northeast. I could see a number of teams. He is a really good. If Noah Hannafin is on your second pair, if he's your third best defenseman, you're a pretty good hockey team because frankly, he's really, really solid in pretty every, pretty much every aspect of the game. But he ha- he doesn't really want to stay and y- you can't force guys to stay. And it'd be it would be bad asset management to let Noah Hannafin leave in free agency because you because you thought you could keep him and then you never got around to working out the kinks of finalizing that contract and he moved on. The Flames can't afford to do that. Noah Hannafin's got a decent amount of value. You can get something good for Noah Hannafin. Next up, Chris Tanev is surprisingly traded at the deadline for futures. I think Chris Tanev going to a contending team or a team on the fringe 
for a first round pick, a second round pick, or like a third round pick and a prospect. I think that would be pretty good asset management for the Flames. I, I don't know. A lot of these predictions are based on the assumption that the Flames will be good, not a great regular season team. And that at the that likely means they're open to making both additions and subtractions at the deadline. Because it's not just about this year, it's about the foreseeable future. And Tanev is a good hockey player. He's a useful hockey player. He's exactly the type of player that on an expiring contract, contending and close teams will look to trade for because he does everything solidly. He's not elite at anything anymore. He was a really good defensive defenseman a couple of years ago, but the injuries have accumulated. He only got in 65 games last year. I think there's a good chance they end up trading Tanev in season for a future whether that's a good draft pick or a mediocre draft pick and a prospect I, I think that would be good asset management for the flames and their new general manager nikita zadorov will finish top five in goals by a defenseman again a lot of people didn't realize he finished fourth overall in five on five goals from defensemen nikita zadorov is such a no 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 oh yes type of player when you're watching him play because he makes really aggressive decisions with and without the puck where he lines up for big hits or he'll try and lead the rush as a defenseman skating out of his own zone and attack the net, which frankly the flames need more of. They need more guys who are willing to take it to the net. And you would like Zadorov to kind of rein it in sometimes because he's such a risky and dangerous player in terms of when he's making those types of aggressive plays, he's more often than not leaving his defensive partner out to dry. But Zadorov is a third pair guy, pretty solid. And he showed you he has a decent finishing touch last season. Last up, Oliver Chillington will come out of the gate slow whenever he does start the NHL start this season. But by the end of this season, everybody will feel good about the progress he's made, and he will be ready to hit the ground running for next season to solidify himself as a full-time NHL player, and he will be ready to go. Before we move on and talk about coaching and the goalies for predictions for those guys, we have got to talk about our friends at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, teasers, and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash lock on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Visit FanDuel.com and... Get in on the action. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. It's the only sportsbook I use. FanDuel is the most reliable. They have great promotions. They have great, great promotional opportunities. When there's a big game that's in a primetime window, the props will be good. They had very cleverly named props for Travis Kelsey on Sunday Night Football this past week against the Jets. He didn't hit like any of them. He didn't have a particularly good game, which was fascinating. One of the more compelling games of the early NFL season. But yeah, FanDuel is the way to go when it comes to sports betting. Next up, we going to talk about the goalies and the coaches. 
Goaltending, for trying to predict goaltending in the NHL is trying to predict if it's going to rain if you were at the Earth's core. You would have no idea what's going on at the Earth's core because it is so deep down there. We are talking about hundreds of miles just based on... We can estimate what the depth of the Earth's core is based on the circumference of the Earth, and it's way down there. You could not possibly understand what's going on at the surface down at the Earth's core. That is trying to predict goaltending. Goaltending in the NHL is the most fickle... Goaltending in the NHL is the most fickle position in all of sports. It is so high variance. It is so tricky to understand because of how much they are not in control. Goaltending is a environment-induced position where so much of what happens around you determines what type of player you are. And goalies will have just bad luck seasons. And we're not talking about weeks, months. We're talking about entire bad luck seasons. So... Jacob Markstrom will finish with a 905 save percentage and he will start 45-ish regular season games. He was an 890-something goalie last year. If they get 905 goaltending from Jacob Markstrom, the Flames are a playoff team. You're going to see in a minute why I think he's only going to start 45 games or so, but I think Markstrom takes fewer starts, plays a little bit better, the environment's a little bit better, and having the long offseason to reset will do him a lot of good. Goaltending is a very mental and internal-based position where you are your own worst enemy when you are a goalie. And guys like Markstrom, when they are struggling, like last season, they're fighting it. And when you're fighting it, that's when you give up the stinkers. That's where you give up the 35-foot wrist shots. That's where you give up the goals from the neutral zone. When you are fighting it, you are going to have an impossibly difficult time making anything good happen for yourself or for your team. So I think Markstrom bounces back, not all the way back to what he was two years ago or what he was in Vancouver, but he becomes a middle of the market, 12th, 13th best goalie in the league type season. And that's a driving force in the Flames be having a bounce back season. Next up, Daniel Vladar gets traded to the New Jersey Devils in January. I think by that point, the Flames will be ready to bring Dustin Wolf up to the NHL. The New Jersey Devils could stand to add a goalie. I know a lot of people have speculated UC Saros, Connor Hellebach, Victor Askarov as the logical replacement for either Akira Schmidt or Vitek Vanacek in their goalie duo. The Devils seem pretty, pretty content for at least right now to ride with Vanacek and ride with Akira Schmidt. I think this is the year for the Devils to go all in, to go aggressive, but I don't think they're going to have the gumption to go out and trade for one of the elite goalies that's out there, whether it be Halibut or Soros. So they go for, let's raise our backup goalie ceiling. We think playing behind this team, we can make Daniel Vladar really good, and we're going to, we're going to go for it this year. We want to be that 115 standings points first in our division, get the wild card matchup out of the gate and really push to be to win the Stanley Cup this year. I think Vladar in a tandem with a good goalie is pretty good in all honesty. I know last year he struggled, but that was not just him. You saw what the same environment did to Markstrom, which is why I'm inclined to believe Vladar has a pretty solid first two months in limited work. The Flames have Wolf dominate at the AHL level again, and they say, okay, this is stupid. Let's get Dustin Wolf up here. And let's start figuring out how good he is at the NHL level. 
Which brings us to Dustin Wolf. Dustin Wolf will get down ballot Calder votes. I'm not saying top three. I'm saying he will finish seventh, eighth in Calder voting. He will make something in the ballpark, 20 starts. He will be really good in those 20 starts. Him and Markstrom in tandem will be one of the best goaltending duos in the second half of the season because they will both be able to play off of each other. They will be able to manage their workloads. And we will see Dustin Wolf solidify himself as a full-time NHL goalie, where by this time next season, so the first week of October of 2024, Dustin Wolf will be ready to be not quite a starter, but he will be ready to be the 1B to Jacob Markstrom's 1A. Last up, the coach, Ryan Huska. Huska's vibes are good enough to get the Flames back to the playoffs. Everybody feels good about the direction of the team in the short term, that they are not nearly as bad and unlucky as they were last season, that this team is the third or fourth best team in the Pacific Division. I think Edmonton and Vegas are clearly ahead of them, and then it's Calgary, Seattle, and LA for that third spot. I think the Flames can finish anything from third to fifth in the Pacific Division, and it wouldn't be a surprise. I think everybody feels pretty good about what Huska does this year. I think there's a good chance he gets some coach of the year buzz based on just the vibes being better and the team's results being better. They can't possibly be that unlucky again. They just, they can't. There There is no planet on which the Flames are that unlucky. Again, just it, math doesn't work like that. And I know a lot of people will say, well, it's not math, it's hockey. It, it, it's math. There are a wide range of outcomes. You think about the distribution, uh, a, a range of distribution of zero to 100%. Last year was like a hundredth percentile rare outcome where you can't lose that many games in overtime and that many one goal games. Again, you just can't. That's the way luck works. The Flames have a nice bounce back season. They make the playoffs and Huska gets a lot of praise for the environment being better. So there you have it. One prediction for every single skater and the head coach. We will track back to this at the end of the regular season and see just about what we'll see what my hit rate is. And I'm very hit or miss, frankly. Uh, I had a really good week two in the NFL. I want to say I was 11 and three against the spread. And then last week I was uh, four and eight against the spread. So we'll see. I I, I like to think I know what I'm talking about when it comes to hockey. Most of these predictions are pretty, pretty reasonable. There's not really any crazy ones. Maybe Coronado for 21 goals. That might be a little bit ridiculous. But other than that, that'll just about do it for today's episode of Locked on Flames. And we will talk to you guys real, real soon.